Welcome into Phil's Tax Hacks and Other Retirement Facts with CPA and Personal Financial Specialist, Phil Putney. Now let's get rolling with today's show. Hey everybody, welcome into another edition of Phil's Tax Hacks and Other Retirement Facts. Phil and I are here to talk uh, about the second half of the Secure Act conversation that we had from last week. So we're going to get into part two. That's right. We're going to get into some more of that. And uh, there's a ton of stuff. So I'm just going to dive in here, Phil. Open this up here, sure. folks. I got to read a little bit for some of this stuff, but uh, there's a lot of it. So uh, yep. we talked mostly about the RMD age. So it's 73 basically for everybody, uh, right. and then 75. Uh, if uh, in 2033, right? Right. Yep. So you're born 59 or after. Yeah. Yeah. So, so yep. Uh, all right. So let's get into some more of these things. So we were talking a little bit about IRA uh, catch up contributions. Mm-hmm. So there's some more provisions here uh, with the colas and stuff starting in 2024. I mean, yeah, maybe, you know, maybe we should probably wait to talk about this since it's a little ways away, but it's probably not a bad idea to kind of just, yeah, I mean, just to get it on the radar. So, yeah. Yeah. So what's going on here? Yeah, so um, IRA catch-up contributions have been $1,000. That was set back in 2006. And like many of the provisions in the the IRS code was never um, scheduled for a a cost of living or a COLA adjustment each year. So it's been $1,000 for for the last 16 years. Okay. Um, So starting 2024, not this year, but next, um, it is going to be adjusted every single year with a cost of living adjustment. So we'll potentially go up each year. Okay. Which is good. I mean, it's, yeah. and again, this is part of them trying to bring um, some congruity between how IRAs and, and company plans get treated because company plan provisions, their catch up does get a cost of living each year. Yeah. You know, so to get instance, them more in line with each other, right? Correct. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Bring the, the provisions for IRAs more in line with how a company plan works. And there's been changes on both sides to bring that. Right. More and and more in line. It's so funny. They can identify, let's make this simpler by putting these things, you know, closer together, but then they also do a bunch of other goofy stuff that makes it more complicated. It's like, oh, you got it. Yeah. I mean, whenever the IRS steps in, it's never, or Congress steps in, it's, it's not simplification. There's there's no such thing as simplification. Too many many something. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I mean, let's just look at the RMD age. I mean, that's one of them, right? right. Just set yeah. it at what, pick an age. Well, Come on. When they went to 72, it was like, great. Nice and That's simple. right. Boom. It's easy. At least it's, a, it's a full year. Yeah. That's, but whatever. So, uh, okay. So uh, catch up contributions. So again, yep. so let's talk about that 60 to 63. I think we touched on it just a bit, but they're giving some more space here. So I, again, you can really take away from this go around that the narrative is truly from 50 up y'all better start getting your stuff together to prepare yeah. yourself for retirement because we may not help you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, it's it's clearly been a shift over time of, I mean, we've seen the, the shift from pensions to self-funding, right? With the introduction of 401ks back in the day with ERISA, you know, now the government's starting to encourage more and more savings earlier because right. realizing that, hey, the, the onus is on you more as you get to retirement, you know, and this is along that line, Yep. Um, the funny thing to me with this though, is as much as they've done to try to bring IRAs and company plans in line, this provision only applies to company plans. <laughs> so, so they introduced yet another disparity between them, but for the age of 60 to 63, so it's that four year window only, oh, um, right. for company plans, you get to have an increased catch up contribution. Um, so it's the greater of 10,000 or 150% of what the regular catch-up contribution would be in that year. Um, which So this doesn't start until 2025. So we've got a couple of years till this hits. 
the funny thing with the $10,000 threshold to start with, with the current year, 2023's catch up for a company plan, which is 7,500, right. we're already over that. So the 10,000 kind of is ir- irrelevant. It's really 150% of whatever the current uh, threshold oh. is. Okay. So I think the, the current threshold at 7,500, 150% was like 11,250. Oh, okay. So, and by the time we get to 2025 in a couple of years, I mean, that presumably that catch up contribution, the thresholds are going to go up anyways. So it'll be 150% of whatever it is that whatever that is. Okay. So they've made some more adjustments with the catch up contributions. Um, yep. Starter starter 401ks. Talk to me about what. So a, yeah, this is, this is kind of a goofy. Starters? Yeah. It's a little goofy plan. I don't even fully understand it. I, it doesn't to me make a lot of sense because I mean, it's for small businesses, you don't currently have a plan. The thing that that really doesn't make sense to me is that the limitations are equal to the IRA limitations, okay? which are pretty low. I mean, right. right? I mean, we're talking about for IRAs, you're talking about 7,500 this year, including a catch up, you know, so why not just do a simple? And that's if you're over 50, right? If you're over 50, right. So a simple plan really gives you a higher threshold. Usually you don't go to a 401k unless you're trying to get more. Um, contribution into a company plan. So, or trying to do Roth, but I mean, they've remedied that with now allowing simple plans to have a Roth provision. Is this so, for maybe just small businesses only that just can't afford it because it's too pricey? Uh, but a simple doesn't cost anything either. So I, I again, it's one of those goofy things. I don't know. Somebody had an agenda somewhere that got this put in that to me, it doesn't make sense, but it's there. These small starter 401ks. Okay. So this so, is an interesting one. Um, mm-hmm. Student loan. So you and I've had a number of conversations yep. about that. And of course the whole country has been fairly inflamed in different areas about, you know, do we wipe it out? Do we not wipe it out? There's you right. know, many, many sides of the arguments there. So this feels like a little, okay, we're, we're going to give you this nugget so that maybe it kind of quells the argument a little bit. Uh, yeah. but I don't think I'm okay with this. I think so. Yeah, I mean, this one to me is okay. I mean, yeah, tell me basically, about what what they're doing is they're they're saying that if an employee makes qualified student loan payments, right, then their payments are effectively from a plan standpoint considered elective deferrals. It doesn't mean money went into the plan, but it it's an elective deferral that would then potentially trigger a match, is really what it comes down to. So, so let's make it simple. So a younger person or whatever, right. they can't afford to, they basically, the idea is you can't afford to pay your student loan and you yeah, can't afford to save for your future self. Right. So if you make a $300 payment to your student loan payment, let's just say that's what the, the payment is, then right. the company could do a match. Right. So exactly. So let's say in that case, you put in 3,600 for the year, you know, in towards student loan payments, qualified right. student loan payments, that's considered an elective deferral. If your company matches, you know, 50%, Right. Well, then, because you made $3,600 in student loan payments, they treat that as an elective deferral, triggering then $1,800 in company match. Which, I mean, is, I think is great. Because Which is fine. Yeah. You still, I mean, have I get it. The, you still got skin in the gate. You're still paying for your debt that you signed on for. Correct. Uh, with right. the, you know, we could get into predatory loans all day long, but that's not the point. Right. You have this loan. You owe it. You're still paying for it, but you're also now getting a chance if the company is are doing that to also still stay for your future self. So to me, Correct. this feels like a nice little win-win that I think was kind of unexpected. Yeah, I mean, it's to me, it's a great provision. You yeah. know, for it's and it's really intended for kind of for that scenario. It has to be your student loan. You know, so for sure. parents, sorry, yeah. you know, if no, you're paying no, on no, a, you a parent did, right? plus type loan, now, that doesn't count. This is that your doesn't. student loan. 
Right. Um, and I'm okay. But yeah, it's, you know, it's, it's part of your qualified um, elective deferrals. So. All right. So that's a nice little provision there. Uh, deceased spouse provisions as beneficiary. So there's a yeah. new spouse option. Yeah. So this is a unique provision. And it, to me, it makes a lot of sense. I mean, right now as a deceased spouse, you, you really have two options. Um, you either treat that IRA, 401k, whatever it is, as your own. So you roll it into your own IRA. Right. Um, or you're treated as any other beneficiary, right? So you're locked into that 10-year rule, basically. Right. At a high level. So this introduces a third option where instead of that, you can be treated as the employee or the deceased spouse. Oh, okay. You're kind of, kind of taking on their... Yes, yeah, so you, you basically kind of step into their shoes, so to speak. And where the difference is, is this, is it, it now allows you to take RMDs based on their age based you know, on versus spouse's your age. own age, the deceased, right. the, the, the deceased spouse's age. Yeah. So, I mean, it could fit into a scenario where, you know, maybe Husband the deceased spouse away. is younger, right. you know, but right. they're going to need income. And, and the challenge yeah. is, is if you roll that IRA into your own IRA mm -hmm. and now you're younger under 59 and a half, especially now you're sure. subject to a 10% penalty. Yeah. You know, yeah, so yeah, I mean, you got if, a younger spouse, I mean, that's I, I, not a bad idea, right? So right. the older person passes away, they're eligible for RMDs. Um, you could then assume that. And, and that way you're able to access that money to take care of yourself now that right. you're. Or even if you're not even RMDs, I mean, if the older the the deceased spouse who was older was over 59 and a half. Oh, true. Without how you're, you're, it's like yeah. you're in their shoes. So they could still take distributions to whatever they wanted to and, and avoid the 10% penalty, yeah. you know, versus if before it was either put it in your IRA or get treated like a, um, a beneficiary an inherited IRA locking right. into this 10 year distribution, you know, so it just, it introduces a third option. Uh, okay. QCDs. Uh, we we kind of talked on the last one how from a standpoint of the age, you can still start doing qualified charitable di uh, distributions at 70 and a half. They didn't touch that one, Correct. but they made changes to other parts of the QCD. So starting in 20, right. tell me about that. Yeah. So um, QCDs, and again, so qualified charitable distributions simply means that um, once you're 70 and a half, used to be tied to RMD age, but it's 70 and a half is coded into the QCD uh, law. Um, you're allowed to take money out of your IRA, give it directly to a charity. Mm -hmm. And by doing that, it doesn't count as income to you, but you don't get a charitable deduction either. But, you know, we're, and it, it, can, satisfy your, it can satisfy your RMD. And, and it can satisfy the RMD, right? Yeah. So, I mean, it, it really applies to those people that are giving to charity that aren't getting over that, that standard deduction threshold. What they've changed is a couple of things. Number one, there's been this $100,000 threshold. So you could only do 100000 a year. So, I mean, this isn't going to apply to a lot of people. It's going right. to be you're, you're doing those that have well a substantial you're... amount yeah. of money in yeah. these retirement accounts that's wanting to give money away. Um, but, but many people to that, just real fast field to that point, yeah. might do $10,000 in the course of a year or $5,000 right. in the course of a year to satisfy an A and RMD, but also to give right. to their favorite charity or church or whatever. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, no, it's a great vehicle. We use it all the time with clients. Yeah. But what they've changed is they simply took that $100,000 threshold and they're starting to introduce a cost of living. If you do that, though, that doesn't satisfy future RMDs. Just keep that in mind. It's it's an oh. annual basis. Whatever you give this year counts as towards an RMD this year. But just like if you took 100000 out of your IRA this year, 
and your RMD was 10,000 a year, that doesn't mean you've satisfied 10 years of RMDs. Right. It just no, means yeah. you took 100,000 this year, satisfied this year's RMD. Next year, you're on the hook again. So that, that maybe that'll be in the Secure Act 3.0. <laughs> That's right. Just Stay kidding. tuned. Even, it's going to be 3.0. We're not even talking about that yet, but they probably could. <laughs> yeah. Well, one well, quick one other thing with QCDs sure. that they've thrown in there. So, um, and again, this is going to be one of those unique things. I don't know that it fully makes sense, but they're allowing you to take money out of your IRA under this QCD provision and put it into a, a split interest charitable trust. So a charitable remainder or annuity trust. Oh, okay. um, that it has some interesting thoughts in it. It may make sense because you can, and this is where maybe that hundred thousand limit might come into play. So, I mean, it's something unique. They didn't allow it in the past. You know, it had to go directly to a charity, not to this trust type structure. It definitely makes sure, folks, if you're talking with your advisor and they're not a CPA, that you're definitely talking with. Yes. You know, make, yeah. Make sure you understand the pros, pros and cons of this ins and outs. Yeah. So, okay. As, and of course, Phil, as, as a CPA and an advisor, obviously, you're looking at this from the multiple angles where not that an advisor wouldn't, but they're just not. They just don't have the all the stuff there to maybe do the CPA aspects. So they just want to make right. sure if it's advisor only. Uh, okay. So anyway, the 10% of penalty. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So again, this is if you take distributions prior to 59 and a half, typically there's going to be a 10% penalty. I think most right. people are Good aware standard of that. All, yeah. Right. Yep. So there's lots of different exceptions, different IRA, 401k exceptions. Again, they're trying to bring some of these in, in line, um, introduced a couple of new ones. Um, first one is pretty, uh, to me, it's, is there, right? Doesn't, it doesn't apply to a lot of people. Doesn't make a lot of sense, but it's an emergency expense exception. So you can take a thousand dollars out um, if right. there's an emergency and they haven't gotten around to defining exactly what that is yet. Um, <laughs> okay. But again, it's a thousand bucks, right? Um, no 10% penalty. It's going to be taxable, but you can only do it once every three years effectively. Oh wow! Um, if okay. you pay it back, you know, then it kind of resets the clock and you can do it again. Uh, the qualified disaster recovery distribution exception. Yeah. So this one makes sense because it's one of those provisions that keeps getting renewed periodically. Mm -hmm. So when disasters happen, they come on and give you this exception. So this actually oh, okay. makes it part of the code. Now it says, okay, if there is a disaster, federally declared disaster, you sure. can use this qualified disaster recovery dis distribution exception. And again, this is to the 10% penalty. Um, right. So basically it waives that it waives that 10% right. penalty. If you're in a federally de you know, declared disaster area, Florida, when it got hit by the hurricane or whatever, yep. right. things like that. Yeah. COVID was one of those exceptions where this fit into that. Okay. Um, so it was $22,000, not indexed for inflation. So you could take um, up to that amount, up to that amount. And they made it permanent. Um, kind of the unique thing that they've done with this is that you can pay it back in up to three years. So you've got three years to figure that out. Mm -hmm. If you decide not to pay it back, you can spread that income over the three-year period. So. And so does that hit you as taxation? Yeah. So then, I mean, if, you know, so if you took a distribution, you know, you're in a federally qualified disaster area today, you took a $22,000 distribution. Right. And you said, yeah, I'm not going to pay it back. I, there's no way to do that. Um, you can effectively count as income, what, $7,333 over the next three years. So okay. rather than get hit with $22,000 right. yeah, this year, it helps spread, spread it out, out a little bit. All right. That's not bad. Yeah. You know, and if anytime in that time frame, if you decide to pay it back, you can, you can pay it back and redo the return, amend the return and, and treat it like a rollover. So it's not taxable. Solo 401ks. Yeah. So this one, to me, this one makes a lot of sense. So solo 401ks, um, again, just you, you know, no, you, you and your spouse really is the only people that can be covered by the plan. So it's a, 
sole proprietorship basically is what it comes down to, you know? So it's just you and a spouse um, in this plan. And it's always been goofy to me that if it's like a SEP IRA, well, those contributions can be made all the way up to the due date of the return, which makes sense, kind of like an IRA. But with a solo 401k, how it's worked is that you, the employee's contribution, your elective deferral, well, that had to happen by the end of the year. The company match can happen later, mm-hmm. which, so if you're a sole proprietorship, well, what is your elective deferral? I mean, it's just this goofy calculation you have to go through and you have to figure it out and get it in by the end of the year, just like it was coming out of your paycheck. Right. Okay. Well, they've rectified that and said, well, yeah, we realize it's all coming from the company anyways. It doesn't matter. So all of it can happen by the due date of the return. All right. Uh, I'm going to ask you one more and then I'm going to follow up with two final questions. So any yeah. future items, I saw a savers match in 2020. Yeah, they're, they're, and again, this happens in 2026. So they're just changing how the, um, right now there's an incentive, a tax credit for you contributing to IRAs, 401ks, et cetera, right. for low income people. Sure. Um, they're getting rid of the credit. They're replacing it with what they call the savers match. Interesting concept. So rather than giving you a credit, meaning it's money back to you in your pocket, Mm-hmm. they're going to give you a matching contribution. So, and it's 50% of up to $2,000 in contribution. So a thousand dollars into that plan, you know? So again, it's lower income thresholds, married filing joints, 41,000 singles, 35. So a pretty low threshold, similar to what the current okay. credit is tax savers. Or the, the so they're, savers kinda, they're trying to help people save for themselves. So, but yeah, rather than giving you the money in your pocket, so a credit you that it, you right. get back, it's going to go into the plan. So they're encouraging money to go back into the plan. So I guess my final question to kind of arc it in is um, you mentioned earlier that the, the stretch rule and, and how that's changed. There's no more clear. There's, there's still no clarification to that. Correct? Yeah. I mean, that, that was one of the funniest things to me and all the things that they put in here, we had this confusion of, okay, this 10 year in the stretch, how does this really work? Is it RMDs? Is it not? The right. IRS is still trying to give us clarification on it. I mean, here is the perfect opportunity to codify it, make it part of the law and say, this is what it is. And they didn't put it in. It's like, so that was the, kind of the big gotcha in the first one, right? Right, right. I mean, you've got a hundred different provisions in here and you, you didn't figure that one out. Come on. Yeah. yeah. So as an advisor mm-hmm. and as a CPA, so again, with the first secure act, having some things in there, but the big one that really annoyed a lot of advisors was the removal of the stretch right. um, is any big gotchas in 2.0 or overall better, overall useful, or just more fluff? No, I mean, there, there's a lot of useful pieces in it. That, uh, I mean, the, the thing with this is there's just a lot, right? Yeah. I mean, they changed a ton of things. And it's it's over, you know, starting from now all the way to 2026 or 30, you know, 32 is the RMD. I mean, it's, it's, yeah. it's a long period of time before yeah. all these different pieces come into play. Um, overall, I mean, the, the majority of it makes sense. The RMDs, I mean, that obviously makes sense. And we knew that was coming down the pike. They talked about that. Right. So, yeah. You feel, you feel fairly positive that that you can, it'll be helpful tool for people. Yeah. I mean, it's going to be fairly helpful. You know, again, it's just going to, there's a lot of pieces that you're going to have to make sure you're paying attention to now a lot more options and provisions and, and things to consider when you're looking at different things that you can do. Well, again, folks, there's a ton, a ton of stuff. So if you're working yep. with a financial professional, just reach out, you know, put a call into them, an email, whatever, and just say, Hey, with the passing of the secure act 2.0, anything we need to do, any tw- changes we need to make, uh, you know, bring that kind of stuff up. They should be bringing that up with you as well. And they probably have, but if not that way you're armed because there's a lot of stuff. And if you're not yes. reach out to Phil and get on his calendar and have a conversation, that's what he 
does day in and day out is help people get uh, two and three retirement. So again, as always, you can find him at philstaxhacks.com. That's where you can subscribe to the podcast, check out past episodes, uh, subscribe for future episodes. You can subscribe on whatever platform you like using. It's philstaxhacks.com. Uh, or you can just call him at 248-888-7530. It's 248-888-7530. Uh, we're kind of long, so we're going to wrap this one up. Phil, thanks for hanging out and explaining thanks. more of this massive Secure Act 2.0. Investment advisory services offered through AFS Wealth Management. The content of this program is provided for informational purposes only and is not a solicitation or recommendation of any investment strategy. Investments and or investment strategies involve risk, including the possible loss of principal. There is no assurance that any investment strategy will achieve its objectives.